Welcome. Nice to see you all. For all you talkies out there, ask you to find a seat. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We have a new song that we want to introduce. It's an older song, but new to us. Michelle's going to introduce it for us. Yeah. Join in when you when you feel comfortable, and, and this is just the chorus. I trust in... Oh, no, that's not the right one. <laughs> <laughs> we're, on, we're on Rest on Us. It's a song we're going to be singing. Here we go. Calm down, spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. Calm down, spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here
As we've gathered here to worship you, give you honor and glory. We thank you for filling each one of us. We thank you for revealing Jesus to us this morning. And we just thank you for this new day that you've given us and how you've brought us through this week and how you're going to prepare us to face this week and that you're going to be with us each step of the way. We rejoice in you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Welcome to WCF. My name's Tom, for those of you that might not know me, but we're so glad that you are here this morning. This morning is our fourth Sunday of the month, and each fourth Sunday of the month, we uh, have a mission moment. We highlight a missionary that we support. And um, actually, if you open up into your bulletins there on the inside, you'll see a mission of the month there, and you'll see some praise uh, requests and some prayer requests. And um, encourage you to be praying for uh, Ken this whole month of September as we head into September and pray for him and his ministries and these requests as we lift them up and as we not only support them financially, but we support them in prayer, knowing that as we pray for them, the Lord is at work in their life. And so um, Ken Wendling is our missionary for the month, and we have a video that he sent us, so I encourage you to take a look at this. Yeah, praise the Lord. Well, God's doing a lot of stuff around the world. Amen? And uh, so let's be praying for Ken throughout the month of September. We're going to pray for him in just a moment. But uh, be encouraged. Sometimes it's very easy to get stuck in our box of what happens in our own world. And yet there's a whole other side of the globe. And God is moving and God is, is revealing himself to people. And he's ushering souls into the kingdom. And one day we'll get to see them and celebrate with them when he returns. We're going to continue to worship now as we give... Back to God, some of the resources that he's given us. We're also going to continue to worship through uh, song. And, of course, we're going to dive into the word here in a little bit. Let me pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you for what you're doing on the other side of the world. And we pray for Ken that you would give him strength. And we thank you that even um, he is continuing to minister even after a change in the season of life. And uh, we thank you for what he's doing. We ask that you'd give him strength, that you'd give him good health. We pray for Kiki's charity, that it would just continue to be able to grow and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ over there in Bangladesh, and that uh, you would do your work there and uh, as, you, as you are preparing hearts to receive you and that they will receive you and be part of your kingdom forever and ever. God, um, we also... Uh, Thank you for what's going on here. We lift up one of our own members who is uh, struggling right now. We ask that you would be with them and that you would encourage them and give them strength and um, that you would uh, wrap your peace around them this morning. And as we give to you now, we give to you with a heart of cheerfulness and in worship, knowing that you are our God and that you are our source. You are our main source and only source. And so we put our trust in you as we give to you. We also put our trust in you as we continue to lift our songs and voice in praise of you, giving you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
forsake us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you for victory over illness. Thank you for victory over sin. Thank you that we have victory in Christ Jesus.
as he shares your word with us. And Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you and give you all the glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Aren't you glad you have someone to trust in? And that you don't have to go through this life on your own? It's a good thing. Decisions. Just this morning, all of us have made a number of decisions. We decided to get up. Or maybe not, when the alarm went off. We decided what clothes to put on our bodies. Some of us decided to eat breakfast before we came to church this morning. Others of us chose not to eat breakfast. We decided what time to leave our house so that we would arrive on time. Some of us like making decisions better than others. Let me show you a picture. Here's a picture I found of a decision that a few people made. (laughs) If you can't read the caption, it says this, just sitting here, eating popcorn, cell phone in hand with 9-1, already punched in. (laughs) Well, the man on the ladder made a decision. Maybe not such a wise decision. The person sitting across the street made a decision too. But we all make decisions. Life is full of making decisions. Some are small decisions, a little easier to make, like the ones we have already mentioned. Some are big and can alter the direction of our lives. Like, who should I marry? Should I buy this house? Should I take this certain job? We have all made good decisions, and we've all made bad decisions. So question for you this morning, how do you make decisions? How should you make decisions? Well, for the past eight weeks, we have been looking at the book of Joshua. Up to this point, we have seen how God helped the children of Israel enter the promised land by stopping up the waters of the Jordan River, allowing them to cross on dry land. We have seen how God gave them the battle plan to defeat Jericho, We have seen that that plan completely worked because they obeyed God and did what he told them to do and how to do it. We saw how disobedience stopped them in their tracks. And once they took care of the sin issue and followed God's plan for taking Ai, Joshua and the nation were again successful. This morning, I invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9, we are going to see that Joshua and the leaders of Israel are faced with a decision. We're going to see what decision they made, the effect of that decision. And so Joshua chapter 9, and if you're able to stand with me, I invite you to stand as we read God's word together. Now it came about when all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the king country and in the lowland and on all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite heard of it, that they gathered themselves together with one accord to fight with Joshua and with Israel. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, They also acted craftily and set out as envoys and took worn out sacks on their donkeys and wineskins worn out and torn and mended and worn out and patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and had become crumbled. They went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you are living within our land. How then shall we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. Then Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, Your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God. 
For we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions in your hand for the journey, and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Now then, make a covenant with us. This our bread was warm when we took it for our provisions out of our houses on the day that we left to come to you. But now, behold, it is dry and has become crumbled These wineskins which we filled were new, and behold, they are torn. And these other clothes and our sandals and are worn out because of the very long journey. So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live. And the elders of the congregation swore an oath to them. It came about at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Sepharah and Beeroth and... Easy for someone else to say. (laughs) Kiriath-Jerim, I believe. The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders for all the leaders. But the but all the leaders said to the whole congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them. Even let them live so that wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we swore to them. The leaders said to them, let them live. So they became hewers of wood and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. Then Joshua called for them and spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you, when you are living within our land? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and you will never cease being slaves both hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you, therefore we feared greatly for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Now behold, we are in your hands. Do as it seems good and right in your sight to do to us. Thus he did to them and delivered them from from the hands of the sons of Israel, and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place which he would choose. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So let me set the scene here for you. In the first two verses, as we read in chapter 9, we see that the southern nations, so all of these nations are in the southern part of Israel in the land of Canaan. After hearing what had happened at Jericho and Ai, they began to adopt a different strategy. Up to this point, uh, Jericho decided to just uh, hold up themselves up in their city, and so did Ai. And so these kings now... Uh, they decided not to wait until the children of Israel came to them. They decided to take an offensive approach and they joined their forces together. Instead of facing Israel just as individual nations, they joined together feeling that they would be strength in numbers. So we see that conflict here is building in the land because of the children of Israel being in the land and what God has been doing for them. In verse 3, we are introduced to the Gibeonites. They too heard what had happened at Jericho and Ai. They knew that their neighbors were fighting a losing battle, for God was fighting for Israel, and no army could resist God. 
So instead of using muscle, they resort to deception to save themselves. So they get a group, a few of their people together. They get dressed in worn out, ragged clothes. They put sandals on. They have, their sandals have holes in them. They load up their donkeys with saddlebags that look like they had been used one too many times. And the wineskins were all patched up and barely holding together. The bread they took with them was dry and moldy and crumb, crumbly. And so they made their way to Gilgal, where Israel was camped. They announced that they had traveled from a far distant land to ask Joshua and the leaders to make a covenant with them. At first, the leaders questioned the Gibeonites. Even Joshua directly asked them, well, who are you and where do you come from? So at first, they didn't believe what they saw. They double questioned them. They said, wait a minute, are you sure? How do we know that you're not just around the corner, that you're not trying to deceive us? But the Gibeonites gave Joshua this big song and dance of how they had traveled from a, from a far distant land. They tell him that they had heard about the fame of the Lord God of Israel and all that he had done for them in Egypt and to the kings on the other side of the Jordan. But they left out some key pieces. They left out that they knew what had happened at Jericho. They left out what they knew had happened at Ai. And so they lied and they told deceptions. And again, they said, look at us. This is what we've heard about you. And then again, they show them the, pro the provisions in their saddlebags and their belongings. This time, Joshua and the Lord, or I mean, sorry, Joshua and the leaders have a decision to make. Do we believe these people? Do we trust them? Do we take them at their word? Or do we not to do what they asked them to do. They can see the Gibeonites standing in front of them in their rags next to their weathered luggage. And in verse 14, a huge statement, the men of Israel make two bad choices which lead to the bad decision. Let's look at verses 14 and 15 again of our text. Verse 14 says, The men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. So here we see the first um, choice that they made is that they took a look at the provisions that were in their saddlebags. Joshua and the leaders allowed themselves to be convinced that the Gibeonites were telling the truth by what they saw, the stale, moldy food, the clothes on their back. And so they allowed themselves to be moved by what they saw instead of by being moved by their faith in God and what God had asked them to do. The second choice they made is huge. They did not go to God and ask Him for His direction and counsel. I don't know about you, but as, as we were reading that, when I was reading this in preparation, that, that, that statement there, that they did not ask the counsel of God, just leap, leapt out on the page. And how often do we go through our life, and sometimes we're just blitzing through life, making this decision, making that decision, and sometimes we forget to get God involved. And this is exactly what happened to Joshua. And sometimes when we're making decisions, um, some, we've all been in this. Maybe we've been having to make a financial decision or maybe you're wanting to buy a house or maybe a job and yet people that are on the other side giving you information aren't always telling you the truth. And they're not always giving you the full scope of the ramifications of when you make this decision. And so they did not, they, they uh, just went by what they saw and they did not talk to God about the situation. These two things caused them to make a bad decision, a bad deal, resulting in making a covenant and swearing an oath to keep it. 
The humiliating defeat at Ai should have taught Joshua and the leaders to take time to pray and seek the mind of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. After all, the Lord was the commander of the army, but they walked by sight, not by faith. They relied upon their own ability to discern what was right. Well, a covenant, they made a covenant with the people of Gibeon. And a covenant in those days was a lot, there was a lot more to it than what we call a contract today. In today's society, a contract can easily be broken. People's words aren't what they, what they should be. When they say, yes, I'll do something, sometimes they follow through, sometimes they don't. And then sometimes if people find themselves into a contractual agreement that all of a sudden they're not happy with, they'll try to break it. But back in this time, a covenant was serious business. And usually we're not totally told exactly how they made the covenant here, but, but some of the covenants that they made, you would ha- they would take animals and they would cut them in half and they would split them um, and lay them on two sides. And the people that were making the covenant together, they would walk through the blood of these cut up animals and then the blood that was on the ground. And they would say, if I don't keep my part of the covenant, covenant you can do to me what we've done to these animals. So covenant was a very, very serious thing. And not only did they make a covenant that they would let these people live, but they also swore with an oath. And God had told them in the law that swearing an oath was something very, very serious. And it wasn't something that you should just go back on. There were consequences if you broke your oath. And so, again, we see that Joshua and the leaders They walked by sight. They relied upon their own ability to discern what was right. Well, we didn't it didn't take long. It didn't take any more than three days for the cat to be let out of the bag. In verse 16 of our text, we see Joshua and the leaders found out that they had made a bad decision. The Gibeonites actually lived nearby. They were neighbors. And so the people of Israel, when they heard this, they set out to investigate. And sure enough, within three days of traveling, they reached the four cities that the Gibeonites lived in. However, because of the covenant and vow the leaders made, the Israelites did not attack the cities. So because of a bad decision, because of a bad deal, The people of Israel experience another defeat. Because of a bad decision and deal, the Lord lost glory. Because of a bad decision and deal, the leaders lost stature. Verse 18 tells us that the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders and complained about the decision that they had made. And because of a bad decision, the nation lost a potential victory. And the, Gibeonite, and the Gibeonites living in, ended up living in the land with them. Um, and next week we'll see that Israel had to live up to their end of the covenant and actually fight all the nations we read about in verse 1 of our text in defense of the Gibeonites. But we'll save that for next week. But we see that um, here with this bad decision, instead of being obedient to God and doing what he had asked them to do, which was to destroy all the people in the land and to take the whole land. Now they were left with a group of the Canaanites in their land and they couldn't do anything about um, removing them or getting rid of them. Decisions. Sometimes we make good decisions. Sometimes we make bad decisions. So, Question, how do we navigate and live with the consequences of a bad decision? Because unfortunately, decisions have consequences. When it's a good decision, we have good consequences. When it's bad, we have bad consequences. And so sometimes um, we still have to live with those. So first of all, how do I navigate and live with consequences of a bad decision. First of all, take responsibility and own the decision. 
And we see this is exactly what Joshua and the leaders did. Let's look together at verse 18 and 19 of our text. The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch to them. So we see here that Joshua and the leaders take responsibility and they reveal to the congregation the covenant and with the oath that they made with the, uh, with the Gibeonites. The leaders didn't hide the details of the agreement, even though um, it put them in bad standing with the congregation. They simply told the truth. And they let the congregation know why they had to let the Gibeonites live. So we see that they took responsibility for their situation. Next, honor your word. Honor your commitment. Look at with me, look with me at verse 20. Joshua 9:20. This we will do to them, even let them live, so that wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we swore to them. So in today's language, Joshua and the leaders are saying, we made a promise to them in the presence of God. We can't lay a hand on them now, but we can do this. We will let them live so that we don't get blamed for breaking our promise. So again, taking an oath, making a promise was very important. And it's very important for us today. Sometimes we get ourselves into situations and we go, oh man, I wish I hadn't said that I would do that. Or I wish I had made that decision that I would pay for that truck or pay for that house. I got too far in over my head or possibly maybe married the wrong person. And so these decisions in our life, we're bound by them and we need to uh, take ownership, but we also need to honor our word and we need to commit and do what we said that we would do, knowing that as we commit and keep our word, God will honor us in return. And then the third thing about Navigating bad decisions. Never let your bad decision control you. Instead, make your bad decisions work for you. Let's see. Look at what happened. Joshua did not give up. Rather, he made his mistakes work for him. And in verses 22 to the end of the chapter, we see what he told the Gibeonites. He said, you tricked us. We can't kill you because we made an oath. But we're putting you to work. You will chop down trees and carry water. With wood on your shoulders and water in buckets at your side, you're to haul them to the temple for refreshment and redemption. And so we see that he didn't just accept the decision, but he's made the decision work for him. And he's putting, and he made made them servants. And now the Gibeonites served the Israelites for the rest of their lives um, and they did most of their serving in the temple and there's more reference to them in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah but that's not for today but we see that, um, that Joshua put his bad decision to work for him make your, make your bad decisions work for you learn from your mistakes so that you do not repeat them Allow them to point you to God and never let the consequences of a bad decision cause you to give up on life or fall away from God. Sometimes the bad decisions, having to live with the consequences, um, is not easy, is not tough. And maybe right now you're thinking of an incident in your life. I know in my, my life I moved my family to uh, California and it was the, uh, the height of the uh, whole housing market that uh, exploded. I don't know if it exploded up here, but in Fresno, California, the housing mar- market exploded and homes were being sold for uh, two, three times what they were worth. And not only was that, not only did that happen, but then loan officers were giving loans to people that they should have never had. 
They should have, instead of giving them these subprime loans and saying, oh, yeah, you can afford this, and actually after a few years you can do this, this, and this, and, and you'll be fine. Well, that's not what happened because got in over my head, and then when the market went belly up, now what do I do? I can't even sell the house because I can't afford it. And so there, just like Joshua and the leaders, somebody lied to them. I was trusting people that knew more than I did to help me make a wise decision. And I caught myself, and I know uh, now in hindsight, as I was getting ready to sign those papers, God was trying to get my attention and saying, leave now, leave now, leave now. And the thought that went through my mind was, oh, where's my family going to live? Where's my family going to live? And so pressure of situations like that can happen. And then you find yourself in a place where you feel mistreated, where you feel lied to, where you felt that things were misrepresented. And yet there you are. What do you do? Well, you honor your word, you own what you, what you did, and you make the situation work on your behalf and continue to run to God and continue to put your faith in Him. So, making bad decisions. But here's another question that I would like to ask. What do I do, what do we do so that we can make good decisions instead of bad ones. So, of course, after looking at Joshua 9, it causes us to ask this bigger question, how do I keep from making bad decisions? Or we could ask, how do I make decisions that always honor God? Because I know that's all of our hearts cry, is to always press into God and make the decisions that are going to honor Him. So go back with me to verse 14, because of our text Because everything we have talked about this morning hinges on this verse. Let's look at verse 14. So we see, So the men of Israel took some of their possessions, took some of their provisions, and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. So, how do I make good decisions? Notice we talked about that the children of Israel, Joshua and the leaders, They depended on their own understanding. They depended on what they saw. And so the first thing to do to make a good decision is don't depend on your own understanding. It'll always fail you. Trust God's understanding and said, don't depend on your own understanding. Trust God's understanding instead. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, a familiar verse to many of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Seek God's will in all that you do. When you do, God will show you which path to take, which decision to make. As you see the artwork that's on your bulletin and on the screen, the man standing there looking at two paths. When we stand there at the Y in the road and we seek God's will and we trust on Him instead of trusting on our own um, understanding, He will lead us. He will guide us. And He will cause us to walk on the right path that He has for us. Again, another personal illustration. I was in college. I was um, at... Uh, Biola University, studying music, um, but uh, I didn't feel the education that I was getting was very solid and very good, and it was making me and forming me into, into a good musician, but it just wasn't really where I wanted to go, and I thought I wanted at that time to be a studio musician, and so <clears throat> somehow across Uh, somebody told me about a school called Grove School of Music that was in Hollywood at the time. It was a trade school that prepared um, people to work in the L.A. music industry and the recording studios and in movie uh, writing films, film scores and all that stuff, playing gigs and doing things like that. And um, I really had a decision to make. 
And I was only about 19 years old. And um, from one side, from my teachers at Biola, I was hearing, stay here, get a solid education at the university. The people at the trade, music trade school were saying, ah, you don't need the university. You just need to make sure you're the best musician that you can be. And here I was at 19 years old. How does a 19-year-old make that decision? Uh, yeah, I was confused. I was really confused. And I remember I was on the phone with my mother, mom at the time, and uh, she quoted a verse to me, and she said, Remember, Tom, that God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And well, that's exactly where I was, completely confused, didn't know which way to turn, Either decision would have been a fine decision. It wasn't, it, this wasn't necessarily a right or wrong decision, but it was still a huge decision at 19, 20 years old. And once I heard that and realized that God's not the one that is confusing me, but it's the enemy that wants to bring in confusion in our lives, and began to pray about it more, and to begin to just hear and begin to sense what was making me more at peace, staying at the university, going to the music school and of course in the end I made the choice to go to the music school and it's probably really the only reason I'm able to sit here before you today but God led me on the path that I needed to be to make me person and give me the career that I wanted so the the seeking God's will in all we do not depending on our understanding but trusting God that he's going to lead us each step of the way the second way that we can make sure we make right decisions, seek God's way of doing right and being right. Matthew 6:33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The word seek in Matthew 6:33 means to aim at, to strive after. So the idea is make God's kingdom and his way of doing things the center of all you do. Don't allow yourself to be strayed to the left or right. Keep God's way of doing things always in the center of your attention. The third thing is ask God for wisdom. Sometimes we're trying to make a decision and it's just a simple thing. Oh, I think I need a little more wisdom on this. I need God's input on this. James 1.5 tells us, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Notice that it says, who gives to all generously. God is a generous God. He's not holding anything out. He's not trying to hide anything from us. He will always give you the guidance and the counsel that you need to make decisions that honor and glorify him. The fourth Peace is always ask God about every decision you make, no matter how big or small the decision is. Again, the title of our sermon, always ask God about it. Always ask God first before you make a decision. But notice, it's not just about the big things in life. Go to him about the small things. Get in the habit of asking God about everything in your life. God where should I park when I go to the grocery store? Seems a little trivial. We chuckle. But if God is the one who guides our life, ask him, God, um, what clothes should I wear today? He'll give you a, your input, his input to you. What time should I get up? Should I go on this vacation? Should I buy this new car? When it's a habit in our lives and it becomes a lifestyle to ask God about even the routine events of life, then when you have a very important decision to make, you will always ask God about it first before making the decision. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There we see it. 
Paul's relating it to anxiety, but what happens when we have to make a decision? Even sometimes the simplest of decisions, anxiety sometimes can come up. Worry can sometimes come in. But when we go to God with all things of life, with all matters of life, and say, hey God, what should I do here? Hey God, where should I go here? Should I turn right? Should I turn left? Should I go straight? Should I do nothing? Should I just sit still? God wants to be that involved in our lives. And when we pray to Him and bring these things to Him and let our requests made known to Him. Of course, the next verse in Philippians, verse 7, talks about His peace surrounding us and protecting us and keeping us on the straight and narrow. The fifth and final thing to do when we're making a decision is this. And this is where sometimes we don't do it. Whatever God says to do, do it without hesitation. How many times have we clearly heard God's voice and we just kind of keep zipping along in life and we keep doing this and we keep doing that and God keeps reminding us and keeps bringing us back. Well, right there, that's making a decision. When we don't do what God asks us to do or tells us to do, he's not asking, he's telling us to do it. Whatever it is, it could be telling you, stop drinking coffee. Spend more time in my word. Spend more time with your wife, with your husband. Spend more time with your child or your grandkids. Please make a double portion of your meal tonight. Take the second portion to so-and-so. Would you please call so-and-so and pray for them and be an encouragement to them today? Those are all things that if we need to be tuning in to God's voice because those are the types of things, even those, even those small things that He is asking us to do on a daily basis. You're in the checkout line and you're talking with the with the with the person that's checking the groceries out. This has happened to me sometimes. And they just, you know, you can look at them and you can just tell they've had a bad day or it's been a long day or they've had to, in fact, they had to deal with a customer that was ahead of you. And God just saying, speak words of encouragement to them. Let them know that they're doing a good job. This is how God wants to use us on a daily basis. And when we allow Him to use us on these things that we would call mundane and trivial, oh, how it's going to help us when we have a huge decision to make and we've got to make decisions about where some of us are that now we've got to take care of our elderly parents. How do we do that? How do we take care of our kids who maybe aren't doing exactly what they need to do. And the list goes on and on and on. So whatever God says to do, do it without hesitation. In John chapter 2, Jesus is at a wedding. Many of us know the story. Jesus is at a wedding and um, his, mo his mother comes up to him and says, Hey, they've run out of wine. And Jesus looks at her and goes, what problem of that is mine? This is Tom's interpretation. Um, basically, listen, it's not my time to start my ministry. Is basically what he said. It's not my time to start yet. Mom ignored what Jesus said. And she went to the servants. And in John chapter 2, verse 5, his mother, the mother of Jesus, said to the servants, whatever he says to, whatever he says to you, do it. That simple. Whatever he says to you, do it. And we know that they did exactly what he said to do. And the, the uh, keeper of the wedding and of the wine was amazed because it was the best wine that they, that they had served that day. And normally they serve the best wine and then they serve the wine after people have had a lot stuff that's not so good and yet this was better than the first stuff and they were amazed and here 
we see that, that by doing what Jesus said, this miracle was able to happen. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Notice verse 22. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. When we listen to what God says, when we hear what He says, when we do it, we are walking on the path of life. And that's the best decision that we could ever, ever make, regardless of any of all the other decisions that we have to make in this life. So I encourage you this morning, don't be like Joshua and the leaders and not go to God, but always go to God first. Life is a lot more enjoyable when we do. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You are the God that we can go to for wisdom, for understanding, and for uh, every detail about this life that you have called each one of us to live on this planet Earth. God, may we be quick to live by faith and to please you, for we know that without faith it is completely impossible to please you. And we, as your children, want to please you in everything we do. God, may we turn over bad decisions that we've made to you, and cast the care of them on you and continue to trust you. And as we move forward, may we always ask you for your wisdom, your counsel, and your direction in all matters of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. as you go your way this week, press into God. Tune your ear to His voice. 
and allow him to use you this week as an ambassador for him. Allow him to, uh, to guide you every step of the way, even the, as you walk out these doors. Know that he is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And um, share his love with somebody this week. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Praise Jesus. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scappoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.